Pleasant Good Evening Mets fans and welcome back to the Pleasant Good Evening Podcast, episode 111, triple ones here on PGE, Sam Lebowitz, Jack Hendon, as always, and Jack here on this warm and sunny Saturday afternoon, uh, we are prepping for spring training, this will be the last Pleasant Good Evening podcast episode prior to pitchers and catchers reporting. That's for the Mets in just four days on the 15th. We're recording here on the 11th. And well, the weather in the New York metropolitan area last couple of days has been spring training-esque. Not now, last week. Not last week. Oh, yeah. Quite quite the difference from last week when we were in that polar vortex but right now it's gorgeous out really feels like spring even though we're you know probably about a month before we should be feeling like that here uh but with spring training right around the corner how are we feeling i'm good i'm excited it's weird i haven't really i think most off seasons i really put take like more time counting down those days before pitchers and catchers this came like really quickly um Maybe it's because we spent like 20 of those days waiting for the Correa thing to happen. Uh, I promise one day we will have an episode where we don't uh, mention Carlos Correa. But uh, no, it's look, it's it's wonderful weather we're having. Um, it's it's very exciting. Um, it's really dawning on me that like we get another year potentially like what we got last year, which was a very fun season of, of Met baseball. Um also coming up, the World Baseball Classic, which we will talk about at length, um, probably in the latter half. Um, a lot of bases to be covered, I guess, in terms of looking at this team and how it stacks up in the rest of the division right now. Because um, the offseason is, is at this point, it's pretty much over. Um, there are a couple free agents that are still left on the board. See Andrew Chafin. Um, but, I mean... I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. I mean, yeah, there are a couple bats, right? Gary Sanchez, Luke Voigt. Um, people will sign, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Um, but the rosters are what the rosters are. This is what the Mets wanted to roll with, I think. And um, it's different. It's not last year. Jacob deGrom's not going to be here. Um, Brandon Immo is going to be here for eight more years. I'm really getting, I'm really getting used to that idea. And every day is like, I think it's a little bit more of a treat knowing we get like eight more years of Brandon Nimmo. Um, I'm excited. Baseball's coming back. Football will be over very soon. We'll get all those tweets at the end of uh, the Super Bowl where, um, you know, I feel like that's every year where people are like, okay, it's baseball season time. Like we're going to get that on Sunday night. Yeah. Um, the, the At MLB going to tweet after the Super Bowl ends. Now it's our turn. Who's up right now? or whatever yeah i mean yeah the super bowl ending is like generally i guess the the line of demarcation of like okay now we can start like really thinking about spring training but i mean the turnaround is super quick i think the super bowl is like a week or so later i feel like it's a week or so later than it normally is well because they added a week to the regular season oh yeah you're totally right that's exactly why so that's why the turnaround instead of it being like you know, a solid 10 days after the Super Bowl. That's why it's only like three days. Speaking right. of the Super Bowl, the Mets will have a presence at the Super Bowl. They at will. Least, at least locally with that 30-second ad that you can now find on Twitter. I, I'm a little mad that they like showed it ahead of time. 
Yeah. Because uh, that would have been like fun to uh to see um like what the Super Bowl, the Mets Super Bowl commercial looked like. It it's it was fun. I liked it. It was cute. We can chat about really that fun. for a hot I second. thought it was really cute. I loved um I love the opening with Brandon Nimmo running for the phone going, I got it, I got it. They they killed it with that. They really did such a good job making like a commercial commercial, you know, like yeah. it, it is very, if I weren't a baseball fan and I saw that, I would be like, okay, maybe I'll watch the Mets. They seem kind of cool. Um, Tomas Nito cameo was interesting. It was yeah. like you had Nimmo, you had Lindor, and then you had, Tomas Nito, but um, no, it's about time you got a little bit of love. Um, so there's, am I the forgetting two, anyone else? Yeah, Kodai. Oh yeah, Kodai was in it. That's right. Yeah, well, I'm well, they so had the two longest tenured Mets on there. Right. There's the two longest tenured Mets in Nimo and Nito. But yeah, with it was, I I like that bit where where Nito was on the phone and he was on Facetime with Senga and Senga mm-hmm. is telling him the ghost splitter don't it's not actually a ghost don't don't worry it's not a ghost don't be scared of it um that was fun i like that i think kodai kodai i i adore him he seems very fun um i think yeah i listen when we were first told that the mets were doing a super bowl commercial i was like oh, okay uh interesting mm-hmm. knowing that it is local only I think makes more sense. Sure. Um, it's still funny. Someone tweeted this. I think it was John Becker who tweeted this. The Mets spent 1.5 mil on the slot. We're slot posting mm-hmm. uh, on the slot for the commercial to yeah. like get it to air. Not the production. I don't think I don't, it probably didn't cost all that much. To yeah, we're at, we're FCC posting. Yeah. But the, the, the 30 second spot cost the Mets 1.5 mil. The Atlanta Braves have spent less than that in free agency this year. They spent 1.4 guaranteed in free agency this year. Unfortunate, yeah. Unfortunate. But, um, you know, some of that Super Bowl, uh, some of the Super Bowl proceeds, that, you know, they'll go back, they'll go to the um, the Atlanta Braves Foundation. So it's a, just a little treat. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that one never gets old, unfortunately. I mean, speaking of Braves, right? They're in the division. Phillies are in the division. We now have to think a little bit more about uh, where these teams stack up next to each other because it's really going to be those three teams. Um, unless you're really, really big on the Luis Arias trade and you like the Marlins pitching, I don't really think of them. I think they definitely improved from last year's group, but like, the offense is just kind of always going to be with the offenses like jazz Chisholm being on the cover of MLB. The show doesn't change my opinion of like the kind of player jazz Chisholm is a very, very good player. But like you look at who the Mets have, you look at who the Braves have, you look at who the Phillies have, you know, headlining their teams, right? Like he's so not, it's going to, it's going to be a three headed monster. Um, and honestly, I think you can make an argument for any one of these teams being the best, depending on what you think of as the most important thing in constructing a team for a 162-game season. Um, I mean, you have – look at this from, you know, the perspective of lineup construction, and I think that it's probably easily the Phillies, even without Bryce Harper. They just have, like, an unfair offense. Um, you look at this from a, you know, a pitching standpoint, it might be the Braves. Uh, their five starters, Mike Soroka, is he gonna is he gonna pitch 
we we don't know, but it's a pretty good five starter to have. Um, That's Michael Soroka now. Apparently, he's going by Michael. Okay, all right. Well, you know, whatever yeah. uh, whatever floats his boat, I guess. That's what this is. This episode's going to be like us vibing about the analysts. That's sure. that's the crux of the episode. I mean, we're obviously we're in a chat WBC after this, but for a little bit now, we're just gonna. I guess go like piece by piece in the NL East. Yeah, we can. And and like talk about our opinions on uh, these various aspects of these teams and and how they stack up and, you know, things of that nature. So you you kind of alluded to it with starting lineup and then rotation. We'll also chat, you know, bullpen and, and, you know, the upper levels of the farm system, whatever. So uh, I agree with you in regards to the Phillies starting lineup. Uh, Honestly, yeah, let's let's start here. Like all three of these teams have have very, I think, strong top half of the lineup. Like the top five, yeah. six contributors on on both of these teams, very very solid. Uh, the Phillies with without Harper for the first half of the season in particular, uh, like they're good. I just. You know, the it, they're still the Phillies. Like I think we we get into this habit now that the Phillies had this run, uh, and you know we're in the World Series. That like, yes, they added Trey Turner, and right. I think that that takes the hit away a little bit from missing out on Harper for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. But we still have to account for the fact that the Phillies, during the regular season, sometimes have a habit of getting in their own way. Uh, you yeah. just got to account for the Phillies of it all. So while the Phillies one through five is very, very good, even without Harper, you know, Trey Turner, JT Real Muto, uh, Reese Hoskins, things of that nature. Nick Castellanos, Carl yeah. Scherber. Oh, yeah, Schwarber, Castellanos, Bohm. Like, it's a good lineup. Yeah. Even uh, Marsh is like, I think Marsh might be the best bottom of the order bat among the lineups. Um, uh, I'm not even that big a Marsh guy, but I think he's probably a lot better than like Omar Narvaez or say um, what Eddie Rosario, whoever the Braves have at the bottom of their order, like right top to bottom. I think the Phillies have it figured out, especially when Harper comes back. Like that's a really, right. really good lineup. And then, yeah. yeah, especially, you know, Trey Turner there too. Like he's obviously very, very good. And then you go to the Braves, the flip side with the Braves is the Braves like their top three or four is like so good yeah it's so good it does fall off a bit but like you have acuna Mm -hmm. riley and michael harris as like your three best hitters and then matt olsen might bounce back a little bit he still had a good year but not a great year you have ozzy albies who's been hurt a lot but like yeah he might be a little overrated at this point but like still good player yeah uh sean murphy who knows what kind of offense you're gonna get a hint like you're gonna get Assuming you get the same offense you've gotten out of Sean Murphy that he's been with the A's the last couple of seasons, like that's still really good production out of a catcher. Right. And if he doesn't produce, you have Travis Darno to supplement him. Like it's a pretty, it's a pretty solid contingency plan they have at catcher, whether you like Murphy's bat or not. Right. And um, then you and then you go from that to right. Von Grissom, Eddie Rosario, uh, as kind of the the ends of your lineup. Uh, sure. And like those, not great, obviously not right. great, but yeah, I mean, I would think that Olsen rebounding a little and Harris regressing a little 
will probably play off of each other, right? Because I don't think anyone's expecting, there's been so much written already about why Michael Harris, you know, won't be as good as he was last year. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, waiting for think, that to take. Right, right. And I don't think that Vaughn Grissom is going to, you know, produce the way that he did um, in that small sample. But I mean, it's still like, you know, Austin Riley is at this point a pretty established hitter in that division. I don't think we can really look at him as someone who had one really good season. Um, he's probably, I think, their best hitter after Acuna. Um, maybe Olsen, right? But like, that's a really, especially those three guys, that's really strong. But it also depends on how you feel about, you know, the depth of a lineup, right? Because I would say that even if the Braves top three, um, are superior to the Mets top three, right? Like I think the the six, the overall in the aggregate first six guys in the Met lineup are probably better than the first six guys in the Braves lineup. Because whereas for the Braves, you go four to five and you go Olsen, Sean Murphy with the Mets, you're going from Pete Alonso to Jeff McNeil. And I think Daniel Vogel back at six is also someone that we tend to forget a little bit about, but he's also um, at least against, you know, when you have him against right-handed pitching, he, he definitely showed you uh, the on-base skill. He's hard to pitch to. Um, and the Phillies have that sort of, you know, they have a stranglehold on the offensive front. Um, yeah. I mean, pitching it's, is it's also a, kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I just, we haven't really, I mean, obviously yeah. this is a Mets podcast. If you're listening, you're probably pretty familiar with what the Mets lineup is going to look like. Nemo, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil, Vogelback, whatever. Right. So, I guess it's really just a matter of preference in a sense, because I mean, I think that the Mets contingent is a very, very complete offensive unit at the top of the lineup. I think you have, you have a mix of guys who can do a lot of different things. You have uh, a guy like Nimmo who gets on base a lot uh, and, and is a pretty fast runner. You have a guy like Marte who has a pretty complete skill set. You have a guy like Lindor who likewise uh, is has plenty of that gap to gap and occasional over the fence over the fence power mm-hmm. uh, switch hitter gets on base a lot too. You have Alonzo who is that thumper in the middle of your lineup, and then you have McNeil who is reigning batting champion. Like there's a mix of stuff there. There's a lot of guys who have yeah. average to slightly above average power, but above average hit tools. Yeah, they can beat Where, you in many ways. Right, yes. that's a good way to describe them. But they're not necessarily going to rely on the home run ball. Whereas these other two teams, I think, are a little more reliant on the home run. Uh, But they still have very, very complete offenses. Like, obviously, with Acuna, and now Michael Harris is in this conversation, too. Just, like, incredibly dynamic baseball players who have plus-plus power and plus speed and can impact the game in a variety of ways where I don't really think that the Mets have that pure, explosive young athlete right now like they have guys who have a little bit of that in them like Nimmo and Lindor have a little bit of that in them and Marte occasionally even though Marte is still a little bit of a question mark with the core surgery right but like the Braves really have that explosive athleticism and then they have Riley who's kind of their answer to Alonzo uh and at times has proven to be a little more of a complete hitter that just massive extra base power threat guy who puts balls over the fence right hand slugger and then the Philly side I don't think you have that explosive dynamic athlete like the Braves might with Acuna and Harris. Uh, like Trey Turner 
speedster, obviously, with a little bit of power. There's a little bit of that in him, too. But, like, they do it with a lot of power. Sure. And dudes who also can can flat out just rake. Like, Kyle Schwarber is yeah. obviously a pure, pure power hitter. But he he hits, man. Like, mm-hmm. we know this. Castellanos is a hitter. Like, these, yeah. this is a lineup of guys who just mash. I would... To, I would, to be fair, I think they're different physical profiles, right? But, like, I think that JT Realmuto could qualify as an explosive athlete on the Phil's front. At least when you look at what he's capable of as a catcher, I think he brings things to that lineup that no catcher in the in the National League, if not all of baseball, really can do. Um, but, no, the point taken, I think, across most of that lineup. And, I mean, really, for the Phillies, it's all, I think, anchored a little bit more by just how just how unexplosive it is on defense, right? Like, that's going to be – you're going to have Trey Turner making some really great smooth plays. Um, JT Realmuto, who I just explained, being one of the better arms, one of the better framers. But, like, after that, it, it will be – and I think there's also something to be said about – like the possibility that, you know, the Phillies with Bryce Harper in the lineup, like I'm, they'll be a force, but we also know as Met fans who fantasize about what things will look like when such and such player comes back. Like sometimes you never really get that whole unit together. Um, it is a long season. It's not something that you really can ever bank on happening um, across the full timeline that you anticipated happening, right? I think for Harper, it's going to be like June that he comes back. But, you know, there might be a time in like July or August where like Castellanos is hurt. Um, the Phillies don't really, I think, have the depth to work through that. Um, so that's sort of something that works against them. I think with the Mets and with the Braves, you have two teams that have worked a little bit more to shore up the, the depth on the pitching side of things. Um, the Phillies are really putting a lot of eggs in the basket with the guys who are playing every day right now. I think that's kind of working against them. Um, and I think for the Mets, it's, you know, at least in the bullpen, it really is a question of like, you know, what you're going to get from the the bottom half of your pen, from the guys that you have to call on if, um, if someone needs to pitch the sixth inning, if someone needs to, you know, bridge between this, you know, the, the fourth and the fifth um in the way that Trevor Williams did um I think the Braves have a little bit more of an answer to that right now because they have someone like Colin McHugh um they have a lot of starters um that don't really have a place in the rotation right now but will probably get reps or and or become trade bait at some point right Ian Anderson uh Bryce Elder Colby Allard uh I would say that for the Mets, their only real answer to that that rivals those three is David Peterson. Um, I mean, I don't know. That's It's kind of a hot take. I think it depends what you think of Tyler McGill's health. But I'm pretty comfortable in my assertion that, like, whereas the Phillies have the best offense, they really have the worst depth. The Braves are spread a little bit more evenly across everything. Uh, I mean, we know the Mets – we also don't know the Mets in a lot of ways because it's a different team. I'm pretty confident that the Braves are the team to beat right now. Um, but it, I mean, could go either way. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if the Braves pitching staff really got better, but it was in a good spot to begin with. Like, yeah. Obviously, you have Max Fried and, and Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider as as good of a top three as you'll find in baseball. 
But the Mets also, I mean, all three of these teams, I think, have really, really strong tops of rotations. Um, Like the Mets are giving a lot of innings to some really old dudes, but they're dudes who have proven they can do it for the most part. Like Verlander and Scherzer, uh, you know, recent, like really recently, like as in 2022, for the most part, health, you know, held up for them. Uh, Scherzer may have bowed out a little bit there at the very, very tail end, but like, you know, he rebounded off of his midseason injury very, very well, Mm -hmm. came back very, very strong until he, you know, until he didn't. Verlander coming off of like a two year Tommy John recovery, he came back and obviously won the Cy Young unanimously. And then you bring in Senga, who, you know, he has to prove it at the major league level, but I don't think there's really any doubt that he won't be an effective three at minimum. And he certainly got the stuff to prove that he can be a little bit more. Uh, And then the back half of the rotation is like fine with Quintana and Carrasco and, and Peterson, whatever, like you said, the Phillies with Wheeler and Nola and Ranger Suarez have a really, really strong top three as well. Um, But like you said, you know, they have Taiwan Walker now and they have Bailey Falter as their five guy. After that, there's just not a whole lot of particularly interesting or effective major league depth. Whereas, like you said, with the Braves, with Ian Anderson or Bryce Elder, uh, guys who have been effective major leaguers before, um, after you know, after you get into Charlie Morton and Mike Michael Soroka, and then right. the Mets with cool. Peterson and McGill and Eliezer Hernandez now, and you know if they bring in another non roster invite starter, I don't know. There's there's probably yeah. some new faces that we'll we've even yet to see, you know, because mm-hmm. um, there's still some names out there. I don't, you know, I. It does feel a little bit like the Mets are done this offseason. You know, certainly there's really no big moves to be made right now, but the I I do think the Braves have the best rotation here. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, but I do think the Mets are sneaky here. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that we aren't really considering, like, yes, these guys are done in the offseason, but if I know the Braves and Phillies um of late. I know that they will be trading in July. I don't really know what the Phillies can trade from at this point, but I know that they'll trade for someone if they really need like, you know, a Kyle Gibson again. Like if they really need someone like that, they'll try and find one. Not that Kyle Gibson puts them over the top, but if, you know, Bailey Falter isn't your answer and you need more of that. Well, the, um, I guess the X factor with the Phillies pitching right now is in the minor league system. I mean, they have yeah. maybe the best right-handed pitching prospect in all of baseball. And Andrew Painter. That's a that's a very uh, stark take there that you that he's oh, the best. He's very good. He is I very good. I don't know if it's a hot take, man. He's really good. I like better than Grayson. I guess Grayson got hurt. Grayson was hurt. Right. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he he had the fastest rise. I think he's moving quickly. He was he's... very good. He's also still a year away though, and they they'll probably want to be like they've been very careful with Mick Abel. I think they're going to be careful with Painter in a similar way. They also have Griff McGarry, who I kind of like. Um, but, you know, those guys are like, I think the Braves have the edge on that because like they have Jared Schuster and Kyle Muller who are like 
more likely 2023 ETA guys than Painter and Abel. Um, for the Mets, it's just in the hitters. They don't have pitching prospects. Um, well, no, they they don't have Matt Allen. They don't, the Braves. Matt Allen was, was a blow. Um, I, I guess that. Yeah. I gotta I gotta interject quickly. They the yes. Braves don't have uh, Kyle Muller anymore. He was in the Murphy trade. Okay. He's he's with the A's now. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's just like, Schuster. Yeah, Schuster's like fine. Okay. Well, that changes. That that probably changes it like a little bit. That, but I mean, for but you know, they do have I, the depth. It's Schuster just doesn't. I don't think Schuster has. I don't. I don't see the. He's like, not Schuster. Fangraphs material. He's not. He's not a top one hundred guy. Like he's definitely okay. not. Good. So here's the here's the deal with Painter that I like. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. You Painter. look at the body of work as a whole. Like who he is as a guy coming off his age 19 season, which was his first full season in pro ball. And you're like, yeah, this guy's at least a year away despite the success. But he still, <sighs> he made starts at three different levels last year, getting up to yeah. double. A he made five really good double A starts at 19 years of old as a, of age. Excuse me. I don't know if you can say this guy's a year away because what if he puts together 15 really, really high quality starts in double A and he's 20 years old and the Phillies say, I don't know how much he has more to prove. Let's call him They're, up. Well, they can call him up. They can call him up. I just don't know if he assimilates to the big leagues as soon as they call him up. That's I my just, I, I think there's a good chance here that he's an X factor this season for the Phillies. Sure. He's definitely the best X factor that they have um without a doubt and it would be huge for them if they if you know if that's what they uh if he comes up and he does anything akin to what you know all those met pitchers that they called up back then did right like that's the comp i think of i mean that really pushed them over the top they had a lot of question marks in 2015 and you know all you had to do was call up Cindergard and and, and mats and like that kept you competitive anything can happen at that point like there are a lot of i think open doors here for any of these teams to uh to have an incredible second half like it's it's a little hard to actually project who's going to win anything right now but it, as far as what we see at the moment I think the Mets are sneaky I think you're right that the Mets are sneaky I think the Phillies really need the people who are here now to stay here um I think the Braves are still the best I think they're the best set um the farm is the farm is not good they have to rely on the guys that they have but those guys are pretty good. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else there really is to to add. I mean, I guess there's the bullpen thing, right? And I think with that, the Phillies are also a little bit lower on the totem pole than the Mets and Braves, just because you look at who they would call on in the seventh, eighth, ninth innings. I think the Braves have the best cast of guys top to bottom that you can call on for high leverage. I think the high leverage exclusive guys, the Mets have the win on that. I think the combination of Diaz, Robertson, and Ottavino in particular is a better combination than Minter, Iglesias, and um, I, you know, whether that's Colin McHugh or Joe Jimenez, you know, take your pick. I think the Mets have the top heavy bullpen thing there. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think. Part of it in terms of the Braves depends on if Rizal Iglesias continues to be just like otherworldly. Uh, right. God, he was so good after that trade. Uh, and, and AJ Minter also had a really, really good year. And then 
you know, McHugh is good. Jimenez probably is fine. I do probably agree with you that, like, the pure back half of the bullpen, like, the Mets probably have an edge here because they've got the best closer in the division. That's right. They've got two really reliable setup guys in Robertson and Adovino, and they've got a, a pretty solid, you know, left-handed option here in Brooks Raley now. Yeah. The Phillies are so interesting here. Like, the yeah. Phillies are really interesting here because they, ha- they have a, a pretty solid back end especially those last those those last two guys like the back end of the Phillies bullpen their their three-headed monster that they had last year is really i think a significant reason of why they carried all the way to the world series with Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado and and to a lesser extent David Robertson all being really really good yeah Robertson's a met now mm-hmm. and That's the right. thing is is that in the regular season you can't lean on two or three relievers quite that much on a day-to-day basis you can do that much more in the postseason uh, and you're much more willing to do that in the postseason those guys had a lot of wear and tear on the you know Dominguez and Alvarado were used a lot in the postseason sometimes that extra usage does affect a a guy in the in the following season whether it does with Sir Anthony and Alvarado that remains to be seen but the simple fact of the matter is that the Phillies can't use those guys every day like they might be willing to in the postseason. So they're going to have to rely more on Craig Kimbrell, who is a giant question mark nowadays. Gregory mm-hmm. Soto, who is talented and an effective left-handed pitcher, but maybe a little wild, maybe has pockets of ineffectiveness. And yeah, then you they're have... the same guy. It's the same thing. Like Alvarado, Kimbrell, and Soto are like – you have the same exact gamble between the three of them. And it's kind of like what the Phillies did last year where they had like Jerry's Familia. Although Familia, I think at that point was definitely like a lesser pitcher. But even then, like you're taking guys who are going to walk like everybody or strike everybody out and there's no in between. It's going to be a four hour game watching them or it'll be lights out. I don't think Kimbrell really is that guy. Um, I think Kimbrell's cooked personally. And then you've got, you've got, you know, Andrew Bellotti, Matt Strom, Connor Brogdon as their like middle innings guy. Andrew Bellotti. They're like fine. Bellotti is torture to watch. I think that honestly, those, those middle guys, like I like Brogdon enough. I think Bellotti's fine. I think Strom is fine. Uh, Probably probably better than the Mets at this point. Yeah, well, the, the Mets, Mets are probably. I think the Mets are probably weakest in this kind of middle bullpen area. Yeah, it's Drew Smith. It's Drew Smith and like maybe Tyler McGill, and who like, knows what I, John I guess, Curtis is or Jeff Brigham is. Yeah, yeah, they're banking on one of like six guys that they've invested in here between Brigham. Let's see if I can name all of them: Brigham, uh, Coonrod. Uh, Ryden, oh God! We haven't even talked about Coonrod Woods. We don't have to talk about Coonrod. Um, uh, Eliezer Hernandez potentially if they give him like a bullpen thing. I'm definitely missing some people, right? Nagosik. I haven't even mentioned Nagosik, right? Like they're really banking on one of those six guys sticking. Yeah, um, maybe maybe Eric Yeager's teaches Eric yeah. Orze a sweeper yeah. or something. Bryce Montez yeah. Delca, you know. Oh yeah, I forgot about Bryce. They're yeah. banking like they're they're doing the volume thing where yeah. you hope that because you have like a bunch of righty relievers that a few of the, them figure it out that the cream rises to the top here that maybe Bryce 
figure something out command wise, or maybe Orze's splitter is back to being really good, and he's got something in the in the way of like a third breaking ball going with like the slider or something now. Like uh, Nagosik yeah. might be one of the first cuts because he's a forty guy already, and he's out of options. Like, yeah. you know, maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and figure something out with Brigham or John Curtis. Like the Lucchese, Joey Lucchese. Yeah, maybe? Lucchese. I don't know. There's a no. lot. There is no. a lot going on here in terms of the general depth. It's yeah. not necessarily good depth, but there's a high volume of it. And you figure, you hope that especially now that you've brought in more guys on the pitching side, developmental wise, yeah, some of these guys hit. You know, some of these guys turn out to be productive major league players for you. Well, I get excited thinking about it. I think I think Jagers is actually like an interesting uh, factor in this that I didn't really think about. Like that could go really well. I also think that it's probably like the Braves, that guy is Jesse Chavez. We know what Jesse Chavez is going to do. Um, or like Jackson Stevens is, is as like a bottom guy is like fine. He's probably a little bit, I think of a sh- more of a short thing right now than like Nagosik. But I could be very wrong. I don't know. I, I think the Braves have the safer, they have the safer bullpen top to bottom. It's um, not like the, it's not the most exciting stuff. Like Lucas yeah. Lickie and Jesse Chavez and Dylan Lee are not like the most exciting relievers to watch, but like they generally are pretty effective. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like the I feel like the Braves are a pretty steady middle ground here. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're a little less volatile, I think, than maybe the Phillies might be, but they're maybe a little more baseline talented than the Mets in this area. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was going to say getting Correa would have changed that, but I'm not going to say that. We're not, we're not going to, yeah. We're, we're not going to go back. We're not going to talk about Carlos Correa. Um, damn, you know, it's funny. I, now that I'm thinking about Bryce Montez de Oca, like I'm actually kind of, like getting more excited about the bullpen. I'm really excited to see what Drew Smith looks like. I'm also very excited to see what John Curtis looks like. I think that that's a name that, you know, we've we've sort of like sat on for a while, right? Because they signed him last year while he recovered from Tommy John surgery. But like, you know, they're, they've kept him to this point. Like they must be convinced by the progress he's made. Like maybe he goes up there and People forget he was a very, very good, trusted reliever in the Rays system for a while. Um, that could really honestly be something of an X factor. If you had him, Andrew Smith, um, working, you know, in that lower tier of the bullpen, it's it's a lot better than I think what we otherwise looked at last year um, when those guys were not Drew Smith. I mean, I'm trying to even think about it was like you know Yoan Lopez and and Adonis Medina like maybe this time they get it right I don't know I'm kind of banking on that a little I think it could be really cool right yeah we'll see I mean I still think the Mets could probably stand to add one more reliever but I mean the best remaining righty is off the market now with Michael Fulmer signing with the Cubs yesterday and Andrew Chafin like nobody knows what's going on there so I yeah. Well, it remains to be seen. I think the Mets have enough to piece together a decent bullpen. I certainly think the back end is pretty trustworthy, and we'll see. And then in terms of the X factors on the farm, like we've already kind of touched up upon it, the Braves farm is a little bit barren right now, especially in the top half with, you know, Jared Schuster probably providing depth at some point this year. He was a former first round yeah. pick. It's not the most exciting stuff. He's got a good changeup, whatever. And then uh, with Andrew Painter and Mick Abel. And then, like, Bryson Stott's not a prospect anymore, but maybe he takes a step forward for the Braves. And then the Mets, obviously, everyone is talking about 
how Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez factor in this year. Mm-hmm. If even if I if one of them establishes themselves as an everyday type player, uh, I think the Mets are that much better this year. It doesn't have to be yeah. both right now, but if if one of them comes up and uh, you know starts performing as a a middle of the order type bat, somebody who you know maybe it doesn't have to be a rookie of the year candidate, but maybe some second to third place votes this year, uh, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, if you That'd get Beatty producing over Eduardo Escobar or you get Alvarez producing over Darren Ruff, one or the other, like that's a huge step up one over the other. I mean, you could even, it doesn't even need to be Beatty or Escobar, right? Maybe Ruff gets cut by extension and Escobar becomes a DH. I don't know. We talk about Escobar DHing like every other week. Um, I think it's a, if, if I'm looking at it right now and then I'm willing to move on if you are, I've got the Braves one, the Mets two, the Phillies three. And I think the Mets and Braves are closer than the Mets and Phillies are. But I mean, look, you can make an argument for any of them. I think we're all we're looking at three playoff teams right now, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And which and, you know, you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Right. Right. It's just a matter of how it's going to separate out over 162 games. And, you know, in October, who's uh, riding the division crown like, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's yeah. we can we can sit and try to predict all we want. But there's there's tons of X factors in play, not just the prospects. It's it's you know who stays healthy over the course of the season the most whose pitching holds up um whose depth turns out to be the most effective and and you know what kind of moves are these teams making in july like it's there's a lot of x factors but you know we're looking at three playoff teams and i'm glad we both agree on that all right and so pivoting from the nl east chat um which is one you know giant screw you to the marlins and the nationals by the way uh what you don't yeah. you don't believe in uh you don't believe in michael chavis have you been seeing how much the nats are like hosting dom smith lately by the way the nats social media team uh is a great science experiment like they really do things differently from everybody else um i respect it I, I respect it. Originality is important. I think it adds something great, but they have been Dom posting. Yeah, um, good for good for Dom for getting in front of the camera a little bit. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. we're not we're not uh we're not Nats posting here. We're um we're world baseball classic posting now. Yes, that's right. So, we're talking about everybody in the world. Yeah. We're talk- the whole world of baseball. It's the, the classic wide. Wide. Mr. Wide. Worldwide. Um, yeah, it starts in about a month Mm -hmm. and we have our rosters. We have all our rosters. We also have the pools. There's four pools of initial qualifier play. There's pool A, pool B, pool C. And can you guess the last one? Um, um, pool uh, D. No, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Uh, 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 I don't know. Yeah, it's pool D. So uh, the probably the probably the the one that like most people the the two that I would think most people are are probably gonna look watch the most are I probably pool C and D because the US is in pool C. uh, And then you've got uh, the Dominican, the Dominican Republic in uh, in Pool D, and everybody. Pool D was anti-Semitic. Can we talk about that for a second? Putting, they put, put Israel in the division with 
the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and Venezuela. Yeah, they putting... have no interest in letting the Jewish boys cook. None at all. <laughs> our, it's, our... it's unfortunate. Pod friend Ty Kelly and the other nice Jewish boys going toe to toe with a roster that features Julio Rodriguez and things of that nature. I don't yeah, have the roster. Julio's like me. their third best outfielder, you know. Like, Who else is? Well, you've got so you've got Venezuela's got Acuna, uh, Puerto Rico's got Javi Baez and Edwin. Um, DR's got Soto, Alcantara. Oh yeah, the DR's got Juan Soto, Sandy Alcantara. They've got a lot of Astros also. Yeah. Uh they've got Rafael Montero, they've got newly extended Christian Javier, Jeremy Peña. Uh, yeah, Jeremy Peña, uh Nelson Cruz is on the DR, although he's probably not going to like actively play a whole lot. Uh yeah. I got to get this roster in front of me. Yeah, it's I mean, look, every I feel like in 2017 the whole discourse was like all right who's got a better team the u.s or the dominican republic and i kind of feel like that's sort of where this has gone this time around and just might be the case every world baseball classic but like i don't know i am much more of a fan of the teams that are like newly qualified i like i like the great britain as a team i think that's very funny i love that they have like i think that obviously these they don't you know for those who don't know, like there are qualifiers in the years leading up to this, right? Like it's not like Rob Manfred picks the teams, picks the countries that he wants to be in the World Baseball Club. You actually have to win to make it. Um, but there's a lot of New York representation here because you have Team Israel, um, you have a Team Italy, um, like you have a lot of, I think, corners and pockets of, of baseball culture beyond the ones that we see on the big screen all the time in the big league level that like they're getting some level of representation. Um, like Team Italy is, Team Italy is like really fun, I think. Like I think Mike Piazza is their manager, which is, yeah, uh, that's going to be super interesting. Matt Harvey is going to pitch for Team Italy. Like a lot of guys who like aren't from Italy, but have Italian bloodlines, like, and this, it's the same with Team Israel, right? Like Ty Kelly's not from Israel, but that's something that's like a part of his culture that I remember Sean Green um, when Israel first had a team in the qualifiers like years ago, like 40 year old Sean Green was playing for them. And like that inspires guys like Ryan Braun, you know, to not play for the easy, easy to play for Team USA, because that's like where you're from. Like you actually get to connect with a culture and um, like Robert Stock is on Team Israel. Like that's awesome. That's really fun. Yeah. Team Israel's got, uh, they're probably their most notable players, Jock Peterson. Uh, they're managed by Ian Kinsler. They've got uh, Orioles rotation hopeful Dean Kramer as as probably their most notable starting pitcher. They've got Richard Blyer and Jake Fishman, who are two major league relievers uh, in their bullpen. Um, they've got Garrett Stubbs, who's the Phillies' backup catcher on that squad. Like, there's it's kind yeah. of like a whole bunch of various little small pieces across mm-hmm. the major leagues. Uh, and there's like a, a handful of like half decent prospects in here, um, yeah. like Zach Jelloff from the A's, uh, Noah Menlinger from the Cardinals, Matt Mervis from the Cubs is probably gonna play first base for them. Uh, and then they've got like veteran major leaguers who haven't played in the majors in years, like Ryan Lavarnway and Danny Valencia, uh, and Alex Josh Hicks. Wolf. 
Yeah, former former uh, traded for Francisco Lindor guy Josh Wolf is also here. He's a starting pitcher. Alex Dickerson, former Giant, former Brave. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's names here, right? I am stoked for Vance Worley pitching for Great Britain. I think that's my favorite one. Like yeah. that's the one that for me really does it. I didn't even realize he was British, but like that's a name that would pitch for team Britain. Um, team Britain's got maybe the best prospect in all of this. Uh, that's right. In the WBC with, uh, with Mariners top prospect, Harry Ford, who is like a, a very, very fast catcher who might not, because he's so athletic, he might not stay mm-hmm. on play. Uh, they've Harry, <laughs> Harry Ford. Come on. Come on. Harry score some goals. Wrong sport. I can I can do that by the way. I've got British family. Um it's my <laughs> culture. I can do this. Um they've also got Trace Thompson, who like was yeah. good the, like weirdly good for the Dodgers last year, obviously, and like former top prospect uh Lucius Fox yep. is there. I, I don't know. They've got a player who was born in London. Yep. Perniak, who's minor they league. Have a, they have a guy who um was like Michael Roth, I think his name is. Yeah. He's like a former big leaguer, and it was he had played for those qualifying teams like three times while a major leaguer. He's not really in any big league system now, but he's he gets to pitch for the team that's made it to the World Baseball Classic. Like they're not going to last very long, right? Like I don't Probably really. Not. The British are not known for playing baseball all that well, but I mean. I'm excited to watch it. I don't know. It's such a different lens to view baseball through. And like, I think there's, there are a lot of different like angles that you can enjoy it from. I think for some people, it's going to be really exciting to see all of the U.S.'s superstars on one team together. Right. It's yeah. got like shades of the Olympic dream team. Yeah. Before we do the team USA thing, because yeah, bears conversation, obviously. Yeah. I think we got to like, I just want to break down pool D a little bit more. We talked team okay. Israel. This yes. pool D is the deepest pool, yeah. I think by like a pretty wide margin. So yeah. there's Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. which you've got Javier Baez. I mentioned Francisco Lindor is playing shortstop on this team. Edwin Diaz is closing games. Yadier Molina is going to manage this team. You've got Marcus Stroman moving from the U.S. team to the Puerto Rico team, which is interesting. Not the Stroman I, post. I remember um in 2017. He pitched for Team USA. He was the winning pitcher. Puerto Rico in the finals. And he was had, the like, winning pitcher. Yeah, and he, but he had a whole beef with them because they wanted, like, they were upset that he hadn't pitched for them. I, I don't know if it was as deep as that. It might have been deeper or or something else, but um, that's cool that he's, like, that he's moving over like that. I always thought it was interesting when I learned. Like, that's how I learned that Seth Lugo was Puerto Rican was when he pitched for them. Yeah, they've also got Jose Barrios yeah. uh, on the pitching side there, too. So, decent team there. Uh, Venezuela, it looks like Acuna is going to play for them. Mm-hmm. They've been back and forth on that all offseason, but he is going to play for them. Good. They've got Jose Altuve, Salvador Perez, Miguel Cabrera, all playing for them, as well as Luis Arias, David Peralta, who just signed with the Dodgers yesterday, Anthony okay. Santander, Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the pitching side, Eduardo Rodriguez and Pablo Lopez uh, and Ranger Suarez, they're expecting to use as a reliever. Okay. So Venezuela, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And then you get the murderer's row. You get the DR. The DR is so good. This is such a good team. 
Uh, let me just name some names for you here. Rafael Devers, mm-hmm. Manny Machado, mm-hmm. Julio Rodriguez, Aloy Jimenez, Juan Soto, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. On the pitching side, Sandy Alcantara, Christian Javier, Johnny Cueto. Uh, let me get some more names for you here that I didn't even get to yet. Francisco yeah. Mejia and Gary Sanchez on the catching side. You've got okay. Willie Adamas, okay. Wander Franco. That's a lot of shortstops. Cattell Marte, okay. Jeremy Pena, Gene Segura. Robinson Cano is also there. And then Teoscar Hernandez as well. Okay. And That's... then other pitchers on this roster. Yeah. Also from the Astros, Brian Abreu. Genesis Cabrera, Diego Castillo, Rowan Z. Contreras from the Pirates, mm-hmm. Eniel De Los Santos from the Guardians, Camilo Doval, Carlos yeah. Estevez, Harleen Garcia, Luis Garcia, Yimi Garcia, Jose Leclerc, Rafael Montero, Hector Neris, Joel Piamps, Gregory Soto, Cesar Valdez. Okay. The hitting is a murderer's row. And the starting rotation is very good. Not that sold on the bullpen. Like you mentioned Brian Abreu, and I thought we were getting like this this ridiculous laundry list of guys. This is a good bullpen. Like it's obviously better than like most major league bullpens because you're just pulling the best from all sides. But they just have they have three quarters of the Astros like end of yeah. the bullpen guys. They have with the US Abreu. bullpen is great. The US bullpen? Yeah, the U.S. bullpen I remember seeing, and I was, like, scared. I was scared for other teams. Not to, you know, the the I'm not much of a a nationalist per se, but uh, I was a little bit proud to be an American when I saw some of the guys that they had in their uh, their pen, just from an abilities perspective, obviously. Um, but, like, yeah. Devin Williams is in there. Um, Team USA is probably where the Mets are best represented. Yeah. Right. You got Pete. You got uh, Adam Ottavino and Brooks Raylier in that bullpen too. And Adam Ottavino not playing for Italy is a little bit disappointing, but I'll let it slide. Yeah, I mean this is uh Team USA is good. So let's dive into Team USA, which is in pool C. Um, which also I mean Team Mexico's in that pool and they're probably a sleeper, honestly. They're pretty good too. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, this bullpen is really good. Uh, Daniel Bard, David Bednar, Devin Williams, Jason Adam, Kendall Graveman, um, Ryan Presley, mm. Adam Ottavino, Brooks Raley. That's a very good bullpen. With it's starting, a disgusting bullpen. It's a really. Can you imagine that as a major league bullpen? Oh, you kind of can, right? Ottavino, Raley. I can, I can imagine that bullpen a little yeah, bit. Those two guys are teammates. Uh, starting pitchers. Um, best starting pitcher of the bunch. So this is weird because they don't. I don't know if they have like an ace. Sure. On the, on the starting pitching side, maybe the closest thing you've got. Well, Clayton Kershaw's here, but he's old now, right? He's so, not an ace. He he's probably not an ace at this point. But like Nestor Cortez, pitcher for Team Good. USA, Good. that's interesting. Um, Lance Lynn, fine. Miles Michaelis, good. Nick Martinez, fine. Uh, Adam Wainwright, also old. Brady Singer, 
fine. Singer's good. Don't sleep on Singer, man. He's 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 not an ace. He's not an ace, but I think he's he's probably more in the Michaelis tier than the Kershaw Wainwright tier. Um, yeah, he's a control artist. Miles Michaelis is gonna go to town on this thing. He loves America. You have no idea what this is for him. This is the, his World Series. Um, he will shove as far as the pitch counts allow him to. You will not be able to take him off the mound. Um, I know that much about Miles Michaelis. Very good pitcher. Um, even uh, like stronger American, I would say. Yeah, you've got some real patriots on this team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah, like I don't know how much of this roster is vaccinated, but that is beside the point. Isn't uh, Adam Wainwright's like Twitter AVI literally like a picture of him? him face painted in red white or did he change it it was it was that for a while with the american flag face painted on him anyways let's they want to win yeah they do let's dive into the offense here a little bit because again this is a really good offensive unit so your catchers on team usa jt real muto will smith kyle higashioka sure infielders bobby witt jr tim anderson pete alonzo Paul Goldschmidt, reigning NL MVP, mm-hmm. Nolan Arenado, Trey Turner. A lot, lot of talent there. Wow, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. And then your outfielders, he's classified as an outfielder. I, I guess he's going to play some outfield for Team USA, Jeff McNeil. Yeah. Yeah, you're not moving Turner off of uh, second base for McNeil, I don't think. Yeah, but he can also bounce. Like, yeah. 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 Cedric Mullins. Okay. Kyle Schwarber. Yes. Kyle Tucker. Yes. Mookie Betts. Mike Trout. The USA has activated Mike Trout. They got to win this, right? I mean, it is going to be U.S. versus Dominican Republic. It should. If the if they, baseball gods have any interest in making this the two best teams, it should mm-hmm. be that. But you'd be surprised though, right? Because like that that last time that um I mean the final last time was US Puerto Rico, and before that the US had never won. It was like the DR won in 2013, and then the prior two classics, Japan won. It was like Japan versus Cuba, and I think the final in 09 was like Japan Netherlands, maybe. The Netherlands is a very good team. We we have not touched on that group, but they are always a sleeper, I think. Um they have yeah, a we lot of talent. We haven't talked about Japan either, really. But do yeah. you want to quickly? Can I quickly break down the uh, the coaching staff for Team USA because it's pretty fun? Yeah, break. I'm, I'm I don't know what it is. I'm very excited for this. So so it's managed by Mark DeRosa. Okay, New Jersey. Pitching coach is Andy Pettit. Okay. Hitting coach is Ken Griffey Jr. Your your bench coach. One of your two bench coaches is Brian McCann. Okay. I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna skip the other bench coach for a hot second because I think okay. you'll get a kick out of it. Their bullpen coach is Dave Rigetti. Yes. Their third base coach is Dino Ebel. Okay. Their first base coach is Luke Collier. Sure. Their other bench coach is Jerry Manuel. No, you're trolling. I'm There's not. No way. I'm looking There's at no it. There's no way. Right. There's no way. Wait, I'm gonna look at because Jacob Resnick gave us uh, a very nice p- 
pair of charts that tracks the former Mets. And there's no way that Jerry Manuel is on this as a USA bench coach. That is so awesome. I'm that makes you, me so I'm, happy. I'm looking at it right now. I see it. I see it. I see Jerry Manuel. I see Hensley Mullins, manager for the Dutch. That's great. Um, Eduardo I'll Nunez is an analyst for Puerto Rico. Elmer Descends is the bullpen coach for Mexico. Oh, great let's goal. go. Um, Masato Yoshi is the pitching coach for Japan. Um, Dude, Josh Zeed is the pitching coach for Team Israel. I didn't even know he had been in the Mets system. He spent like two seasons in Vegas. Okay, that's pretty sick. He, I feel like he might have been on Team Israel before at some point. Like He was. Oh, yeah, he, he was. was. Yeah, all right. I'm glad I remember that. That's, man, Jerry Manuel. He is like, okay, that's like, we we joke about the whole like good American thing. But like, if you have followed what Jerry Manuel has been doing in baseball, like since he stopped managing the Mets, it's actually incredible. Like the work that he has put in to bring baseball back into like, you know, black communities. Um, I'm so glad he's getting representation in this, in this thing and that he's a bench coach. Um I would have probably even made a manager over DeRosa, whether or not he was a good manager as a Met. I don't know, but um, like, no, that's cool. I'm glad that we're bringing Jerry Manuel back into the discussion. He was on MLB Network for a while too, as like an analyst and was really like yeah. really good. Um, definitely got like a, a pretty unfair rap managing some pretty like disorganized and badly run Mets teams after Willie Randolph, but, um, no, that's, that's a, that's a solid representative. Um, I wonder if DeRosa got to pick that as the manager. Do you think they let him probably. do that? That's probably, that's, that's really, hey, you know, you know, who else is on, um, some of these teams. Let's just, let's just run through some, some, some Mets connected people while we're at okay. it. Uh, Robinson Cano, I mentioned is on team DR. Right. Joannis Cespedes is playing for Team Cuba. That's interesting. Oh, I got to watch. I got to watch Cuba then, right? We I have to see what he's up to. Um, You've got Alex Claudio in with Puerto Rico. Okay. Andres Jimenez is playing for Venezuela. You mentioned Matt Harvey is playing for Team Italy. That's interesting. Mentioned a friend of the pod, Ty Kelly, with Team Israel. Uh, You know who's on Team Great Britain? I'm looking at the thing, but tell me. Tell the people. Akil Morris. It's sick. Former wow. Mets relief prospect who pitched in exactly one game for the Mets, Akil Morris, and then uh, really never surfaced elsewhere. Yeah. He's pitching for Great Britain. Oliver Perez, 41-year-old Oliver Perez, will be with Team Mexico. Still kicking. Also Team Mexico, low-key, also kind of good. Yeah, they got Taiwan Walker, too. Yeah, they do. Uh, Team Nicaragua will feature a, a personal favorite of ours. Because it's Erasmo time, Erasmo time. Erasmo Ramirez will pitch for Team Nicaragua. I need that jersey. Hector Santiago is a is a great addition to Team Puerto Rico. Uh, you said Robert Stock for Team Israel, Mark Stroman for Puerto Rico. Ruben Tejada is playing for Team Panama before he ships off to Long Island and plays for the Ducks. That's right. That's... One time 2022 Met, Rob Zestrizny will play for Team Canada. Uh, and then we got some some minor league names here. Alberto Baldonado is is going to play for Panama. Roger Bernardina, who was in a spring training with the Mets once, will play for the Dutch. Uh, Martin Cervenka, who was a Mets minor league catcher for a couple of seasons, uh, was in Syracuse. 
he will play for the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, Luis Sessa will play for Team Mexico. Nabil Krizmat for Colombia. Uh, Wait, going back to Cervenka, is that not like the guy that Hack told us he loved pitching to? Yes, that's the same guy. He's the Hack catcher. Let's yes. go. That's same awesome. Guy. Uh, Adam Kolarek will play for Team Israel. Okay. Stu Wei Lin for Chinese Taipei. Adam Lowen for Team Canada. Um, said Josh Wolf for Team Israel. Vance Worley for Great Britain. Ezekiel Zabaleta for Colombia. This is just some names. Yes. Just some guys. Uh, that That's, there's part. remembering guys, and then there's uh, like introducing guys. I have no recollection of Ezekiel Zabaleta. Um, I just remember the name. Now I look, you introduced the guy. We are introducing guys. Okay. I'm seeing this now for the I knew Dominic Hamill was playing in the WBC. Yeah. He's playing for Team Puerto Rico. He is. He is, yeah. I did not know that Dom Hamill was Puerto Rican. Right. It's it's is it it's a super exciting opportunity to like learn more about where these guys like are from where their families are from um like i remember learning about pete alonzo's like family being from spain and like i had never known that um i mean maybe i should have right alonzo is not a it, it is like a uh a latin last name but like this is this is sick um there's been a lot of discourse obviously about like players uh particularly major league players going into the world baseball classic because of like workload issues and um concerns about players getting hurt um if memory serves the mets had an issue with this uh the last world baseball classic because they had seth lugo playing for puerto rico and if if i remember correctly he pitched a lot for them um and he ended up like partially tearing his ucl not Tommy John partial tear, but it required like a surgery and set him back for the first couple months of the year. And people were kind of pissed about that. Um, there are some rules to address that. Um, so for those who do not know, a pitcher is limited to 65 pitches in all first round games, 80 in quarterfinal games and 95 in championship rounds. Um it's obviously not like a hard cap if you're at 95, for example, and you have two strikes on a guy you finish the plate appearance and then you come out, right? It's not, no one comes out with the hook as soon as you touch 95. Um, Pitchers can't go in uh, games on three consecutive days, which is kind of a weird rule because like that's almost a rule that everybody follows all the time. (laughs) Um, Yeah. There must be one day off after throwing 30 or more pitches and two days off after throwing 50 or more. So no guys, you have like no pitchers who have long innings, uh, no relievers who have a long inning will get a, another day of work. I guess that's more constructive than the the three consecutive days rule. I think that was kind of right. I mean, how many times did a Met pitcher like not named Edwin Diaz go three consecutive days last year? I can't think of any. And, and you know. It's not but, common. It's not very common. Um, I need to look at the data for that, but. I mean, so there's that whole thing, but also guys get to decide if they're going to play in the classic or not, right? Yeah, like, like, like Carlos Correa isn't, and yeah. he's saying it's because he's got a kid due around the time that the the tournament is supposed to be going on. But 
Marte isn't. Starling Marte opted not to play for the DR, which is something he's done in two classics, 2013 and 2017, because he's recovering from a core surgery. Like people are, people use their agency here. Um, they're not being thrown into a contest that they're not prepared for. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely like, I would definitely hate it if like a player on my team got hurt uh you know pitching in a game that wasn't for my team but like you know it's also not my call um it's not my like relationship with a culture it's theirs like it's not my relationship with baseball it's theirs like you know just let them rock I think um I saw one take I, I don't even remember who it was who mentioned like that it should only be minor leaguers playing in this thing did you see that like that I was did. getting I did. tweeted to hell and like for good reason because like shut up like this that's not what this is if people wanted that they would have baseball in the olympics right like there's a reason that this is an event that major leaguers get to choose to do because like it grows the game like we can't we can't cry about baseball like not growing the game adequately and then um you know and then act like it would be better for the game if uh you know everybody playing for team usa was not on a 40-man roster I think that would be horrible I like that there's this stage for people to to play on and um I mean also like there are teams where minor leaguers are predominantly on the roster because the teams don't have a whole lot of major league representation and um those are cool in their own way because players get to you know you get to learn more about someone that you maybe like otherwise wouldn't um like that's a I think a prime example of that would be uh Vladimir Valentine on um on the Netherlands, right? He's played in the Japanese league for I want to say like seven or eight years and like set a single season home run record there. And like we get to watch him against big league pitching. And that's that's really cool. Um Harry Ford, like you mentioned, that's a prime stage for him to get at bats and get a spotlight on him. Um it's not like minor leaguers aren't getting involved in this either. Um I and I didn't like the idea that like they're I didn't like that the post suggested that it, it almost implied that minor leaguers were like, it was okay if they got hurt doing this, but not major league players. Cause that's, that's exactly screwed. That's exactly what it was suggesting. Yeah. This is just another way that we could take advantage of minor leaguers. Yeah. Um, no one's going to watch it if it's minor leaguers. only. Yeah. That's the other thing. If, if these teams were just minor leaguers, like no one's going to watch this. Like no one, no one is going to watch this if it's just minor league, especially not in the U.S. Right. Because yeah. then, then what's the difference between this and, and and some of the winter leagues that go on? Exactly. Like the winter leagues are are very much for that. Yeah. Um, this is not this is not a development thing for minor leaguers. This is not something to throw your minor leaguers at and say, okay, just play. This is yeah. something. This is supposed to be a spectacle. This is an event. It's a great event. I can't wait to watch it. There is so much talent on display here. It's it's a great event. I think that to suggest that is is ridiculous for that guy, and and I'm glad he got ratioed to hell because it's a it's it was a dumb take. Yeah, it really was. I don't know. I'm 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 now remembering all the like actual games. 2017 was an electric uh, electric showing. Um, yeah, I still think about that Adam Jones catch sometimes. The Adam Jones catch, the Nelson Cruz home run um off Andrew Miller that was pretty cool like you got a lot of really um you know even like the fun stuff like when Jerks and Profar got picked off first base right like 
you get to see things that you otherwise wouldn't see. Um, I think it's, and it's fun that they treat this like the world cup where it only comes around every now and then it gives you more, you know, more to put into the basket, I guess. I don't know. I don't have much else to add on it, except that I'm, I'm super excited for it. Um, I don't care that like, I'm not going to watch Francisco Lindor in spring training. Like this is, I think a different way to experience him, for example. And I'm excited. Yeah. All right. So that might honestly be a, a pretty good place to put a pin in it because we just spent the better, better part of the last half hour throwing names out, remembering some guys. So you don't have a guy. Is that what you're saying? You didn't I don't have really have, I don't really have a guy. Um, but there, we just went through so many guys. We did. We did. That's true. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to put a pin in it. We, um, I mean, in what, con- what other context can we talk about Akil Morris and Rob Zestrisny? That's right. Together? Erasmo Ramirez, things of that nature. And we get to do this like for four more weeks, really. Like if we wanted to, we could. Yeah. We could just remember. Um, Highlight know, a roster. Of that'd be, that'd be, uh, that would be fun. It is also super fun. And it was like this watching the winter leagues too, where like, you know, you get to see guys who you haven't seen in the majors in like four or five years, right? Like every year in the Dominican leagues, Emilio Bonifacio hits like a bases clearing triple and, you know, his helmet flies off and you see him running around and it's, it's, it's like I'm in 2011 again, you know, it's, it really throws you back. Um, you get to do this again in the classic, hopefully. So, I mean, I can't wait to see Erasmo Ramirez. I can't wait for Erasmo time. I just want to watch baseball. Like this, I, I also just want to watch baseball. I don't care that much about football. I'll say it. I, I neither do I really. But I mean, it's a great event because we just get to watch baseball a little earlier than we would normally get. Like high quality competitive baseball, we get to watch a little bit earlier than we might normally. Yeah. So that's great. All right. Um, any final thoughts? No. Wonderful weather we're having. Yeah. I'll it's uh getting on three o'clock, so we'll uh we'll go enjoy the rest of our our we'll Saturdays. Yeah, go touch with some grass. Uh I I guess episode one eleven's in the books. He's Jack Hendon, I'm Sam Lebowitz and Mets fans. Have a pleasant good evening. Thank you.